This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio, where professional readers give voice to articles from Canada's best general interest magazine. I'm your host, Roger Ashby. A first-person account of a family's favorite comfort food, cassava pie. Norma Wick reads Root Cause by Stephanie Wong Ken. Stephanie Wong Ken is a freelance writer based in Toronto who has had her work published in Catapult and C Magazine, among other outlets. I'm Norma Wick. This is a first-person account titled Root Cause by Stephanie Wong Ken from the January-February issue of The Walrus. The word hurricane, I learned this past spring, comes from urakan, the Taino word for violent storms believed to have been created by a goddess and her two accomplices. Every year, the Taino, an indigenous people in what is now Jamaica and other parts of the Caribbean, weathered the destructive phenomena with a mixture of fear and respect. As I read further about Taino survival practices, I was startled by their method of evading another devastating force. Enslavement at the hands of Christopher Columbus, whose ships arrived on the shores of what is now Jamaica in 1494. Some Taino killed themselves by ingesting cassava root, which, when eaten raw in large enough quantities, can produce deadly levels of cyanide. Suicide by cassava poisoning. It took me a moment to process this history of a food so familiar to me. In my half-Jamaican family, cassava, a white-fleshed fibrous tuber with thick brown skin, is not a poison. It's the main ingredient in a fluffy dessert pie. It's the fried slices we eat with a garlic and vinegar sauce. It's essential family food to celebrate a milestone, or mourn a death, or acknowledge gathering at the same table. It's also the texture I crave when I'm feeling stressed or anxious, which right now is all the time. We can safely eat cassava because Atena learned to soak the raw root meat in water to leach out the cyanide. Learning about cassava's toxic side, I grew to appreciate its dual power, a means of survival for the Taino people, even if that meant not living. My mother tells me that, in the Jamaica my parents grew up in, cassava, also known as yucca, was considered too time-consuming to prepare at home. There, it was, and still is, primarily used to make bami, a starchy fried bread usually found in stores or restaurants. But when my mother moved to New York City in 1967, she discovered frozen, pre-shredded cassava in the ethnic aisle of the grocery store, and it soon became a household staple. My mother got her recipe for cassava pie from a Filipina woman she met in New York, and the sliced fried dish, yuca frita, is a Latin American way of preparing cassava she learned from a close friend. The Filipina woman did not write the pie recipe down, and my mother prepared many failures in her New York apartment and then in our Florida house before figuring out the right proportions of shredded cassava to coconut milk, butter, eggs, and sugar. Eventually, she shared the final instructions with the rest of the family, now spread out across Canada and the U.S., and the dish became ours. Variations have since emerged. My late aunt liked to add shredded coconut. 
And sometimes, I get stuck with the frozen whole cassava root I find in Asian grocery stores, which means I have to grate it at home and end up with a grainier pie filling. But we all agree it has to be baked and served in a rectangular glass dish, which helps ensure an even top crust and maximizes the number of slices to feed a crowd, with enough for leftovers. When I told my mother this past fall about how the Taino poisoned themselves with raw cassava to escape capture, she surprised me with her response. Everything is connected, she said. She'd never really spoken to me before about how she associated cassava with resisting colonialism. But learning about this moment in Taino history helped her open up about how passing down her recipes became a way to preserve our family's Jamaican heritage and work against the pressure to assimilate in every place she lived. We just have to overcome, she said. We have to try to take two steps forward and no steps back. I often wonder whether cassava will ever become trendy, ending up like oxtail, a poor cut of meat that was transformed into something delicious by enslaved Africans and became a traditional dish in Jamaican cuisine. A few years ago, when oxtail began showing up on expensive dinner menus in Canada and the U.S., I rolled my eyes. I craved misshapen dumplings and chunks of meat on the bone, in lieu of a plate of perfect gnocchi with slivers of undercooked tail treated like a garnish. But with its ugly raw look and its starchy texture, cassava might just avoid a similar fate. It's an ingredient that works best when it isn't made to be anything other than what it is. That was a first-person account titled Root Cause by Stephanie Wong Ken from the January-February issue of The Walrus. I'm Norma Wick. You've been listening to Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio, produced by Don Dickinson, audio engineering by Sam Robinson and Bill Shackleton. The manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. And I'm your host, Roger Ashby. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a rating and review, and subscribe for more. I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.